Hello, I'm John Deeks, and welcome to the Your Life Choices podcast. Now, a question. Are you growing old gracefully or disgracefully? Well, well, today we're going to talk about how to grow old and stay happy. Melissa Levi is a clinical psychologist specialising in older people's mental health and dementia. And a decade ago, Melissa embarked on a career specialising in older mental health and dementia so that you may walk in the ageing journey with greater confidence, ease and love. And Melissa joins us today. Welcome, Melissa. Hello, John, and thank you so, so much for inviting me um, on your podcast today. Thank you for giving up the time. Now, you're in the process of, of writing a book or have written a book. I am. I have written a book, so we're just in the final stages of editing it. I must say, for me, this was a marathon, not a sprint. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, you know, John, when I was starting my career in older people's mental health and dementia, In 2010, my own grandfather was diagnosed with dementia and had just a really difficult, just devastating journey, to be perfectly frank. And I was only starting my career, and I suppose this book is the very book that I so wish myself and my family had had at the beginning of our journey. Why was this journey towards the end uh, so devastating? I think firstly, we probably were just ill prepared and didn't have a good understanding and good sort of knowledge and skills in how to best support his wishes and his quality of life um, as he got older and particularly as his, you know, sort of street fight with dementia got more sort of intense. But also, I think it was probably a lack of planning. We as a family just didn't know the conversations that we should have been having a lot earlier, who we should have been having them with, what our options were for medical support, for care, um, for lifestyle. So, yeah, I I think basically we were just really naive, um, as most families are, you know, it's you sort of learn on the fly, don't you, um, when someone in your family gets older. So I guess this book is just, the, the way that I explain it is it's sort of like a what to expect when you're expecting, but for the other end of life. I guess it's so difficult when somebody in your family has dementia. It's, it's usually a parent. Uh, it, it's, it's just not an exact science, is it? It is not an exact science, and I often say it's more art than science, Mm. but I think what we can learn from, and and what I try to do in this book, is bring together the science and the research and what we know clinically to help support older people as they age, you know, what medical interventions exist, what end-of-life supports exist, but also the art. So I very candidly share our family story, sort of, you know, warts and all, but I also share stories of my patients people that I've loved and cared for most deeply and have often worked with for years as they've walked this aging journey. And I guess the art is sort of gleaning lessons from them, what they did well, what maybe they could have done better so that when your family embarks on this journey, you are empowered, you are educated, um, you know where to go for help, what you can do. And yeah, I guess it just demystifies the whole thing and, you know, puts us in the driver's seat. What are some of the chapter titles that you have in your book at this stage? Yeah, absolutely. So basically the book sort of goes through about sort of seven stages of ageing and each stage, you know, has a few chapters in it. So um, the first stage is really understanding ageing and what is, you know, in inverted commas, normal. The second stage is knowing where to go for help. How do you build a care team? What doctor or healthcare professional or sort of community service does what? 
The third stage is knowing what is treatable and reversible. Because often we make the mistake that changes in aging, we assume, oh, it's just part of getting older, oh, there's nothing we can do about it, when in fact, it is treatable and there are things that we can do to reverse it or improve somebody's health. And that is changing all the time with research and uh, and further medical understanding, isn't it? Exactly. We, we are getting um, more knowledgeable, we're getting more skilled in how we can, you know, treat these things and improve health. So... We know from the research that people are living healthier, they're living longer, but also they're living healthier. Our health span is increasing because of, you know, progress in medicine and science and technology. John, I also look at the uh, perhaps some of the harder things as we get older. So, you know, managing chronic conditions or how to enrich quality of life when maybe active treatment is exhausted. And then, of course, at the end of the book, I look at death and dying and how we can afford those we love a really beautiful, dignified death that's in keeping with their wishes. And the last bit of the book, but, you know, a bit that sits very close to my heart is really dedicated to the carers. How do we care for ourselves? How do we best care for those we love who are getting older? And, you know, how do we navigate that journey as the carer, you know, sitting alongside, I suppose, what you would call the patient. Melissa Levi is a clinical psychologist specialising in older people's mental health and dementia. We're going to get into how people can be happier uh, in as they uh, progress through life's journey, getting older, in other words. But uh, just to, to, to finish up on the, the dementia subject, uh, Melissa, um, where can people go to get more understanding of what they can do for themselves and, in fact, the loved ones they're caring for who are suffering from dementia? Yeah, absolutely, John. Thank you for asking that question because I think sometimes, you know, you get given information and you think, okay, that's great, but what do I do next? Mm. Um, so there are a few places that you can go. A really good resource is, of course, Dementia Australia. You can go to their website or you can even give them a ring. And yes, they provide information, but you can also talk to them about, you know, what resources are available. They might be able to refer you on to different services and support. Mm -hmm. The best port of call, I always think of this as the first port of call, is your GP, your general practitioner. So speak to them because they will know in your specific geographic region what services are available. So for example, perhaps your loved one with dementia would benefit from seeing a specialist geriatrician. So that's a, a doctor who specializes in looking after older people. I've never heard of that term before, geriatrician. Okay. Geriatrician, exactly. Geriatrician. So that's yeah, like like a pediatrician sure. um, who specializes in children. It's exactly the same, but they specialize in later life. And, and of course, and they will, they, they will have the very latest uh, information as far as research and, uh, and assistance is uh, available. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they're sort of, you know, um, practicing in it, you know, day in, day out. They would be well aware of um, recent developments and the research. And um, the other beauty of a geriatrician is that unlike, for example, some other specialists, like a cardiologist might look after your heart or an endocrinologist might look after sort of your, your hormones, a geriatrician looks after you as a whole person mm. um, that specializes in conditions that we know are more common in later life. And of course, part of their bread and butter work is dementia. Yes. Well, that's uh, some great examples there of, uh, of where to get advice, uh, Melissa. And that's, that is uh, very good. Now, I'd like to get on to some mental health 
exercises that we might be able to participate in to to keep our brains happier as we move into the latter part of our lives. And I was most intrigued by a story that's not a, not a new story. It's been said before, but there was a uh, a very interesting article by a top hospice doctor, Samara Maltora, who put out an article saying uh, about uh, what a lot of people say before they die. Not just regrets, but some of the things that they wish they had done and what they find was very important because, as uh, you know, we know you don't want to be the richest person in the graveyard um, and uh, you don't want to die with too many regrets and it's part of life that we have regrets and we wish we'd done certain things. But um, some of the things that was said by this doctor that she had heard, i.e. making time for your loved ones, and don't take them for granted. Life is short and you never know when you'll be your last day with someone. So don't hold back, which of course is very easy to say, but a lot of people find it hard to say, I love you. We work to live. We don't live to work, blah, blah, blah. Never taking uh, regret for having a break from work to spend time with your family. There must be so many interesting stories coming from the hospice side of things where people say, if only I had have. Yeah. So look, I mean, in short, I just, I fully agree with that. And I think, you know, as part of, um, it's not even my generation, really, it's probably the generation sort of that follows me, but, you know, social media culture is huge. And you see these quotes on Instagram or Facebook, you know, um, live each day like it's your last or, you know, put first things first. And, and, it's, it's lovely to see all of that, but often, you know, our attention shifts and it's all <laughs> it does. forgotten. It does. Um, but when you're sitting with someone, and as I have, I don't specialize in palliative care or hospice care, but of course I've worked with, um, you know, my, my patients that have gone all the way through to the end of life. And I have sat with them in their dying days. And I just think death and mortality strips away all the noise. Mm. It strips away all the superficiality and what you are left with is what truly matters. And John, I can tell you, I have worked with people across such a huge array, you know, different socioeconomic backgrounds and cultures and um, and religions and beliefs and, you know, every sort of variable. Um, you know, I've had such a, a beautiful, diverse array of patients over the course of my career. And there is one thing that is true. And John, it is the people. At the end of the day, all we want as we face the end of our life is to be with the people we love and who love us. It is our relationships that make a life worth living. And one of my favorite studies is um, known as the Harvard Study of Adult Development. You might have heard of it. Um, basically, it's one of the longest running studies of adult life in the world. It's been running now for over 80 years. Wow. Yes. And basically, to, to sort of put it in a nutshell, back in the 1930s, they started following a group of Harvard graduates, some of whom went on to be, you know, um, judges and doctors. And one of them was actually JFK, who went on to become, you know, president of the United States. And they also followed a group of men from one of Boston's most disadvantaged suburbs. And they posed the question. They followed these men for a lifetime and said, what predicts, what reliably predicts a happy, healthy, long life? 
and they looked at medical histories and they did blood tests and brain scans and they looked at wealth and professional achievement and all of the, I mean, you can imagine how much data they collected. And John, one factor reliably predicted those that were healthy, happy and lived longer. And it was the quality. I bet, I, I bet it was a good family. The quality of their relationship, spot um, on. Yeah. And, and it sounds fluffy. You know, you hear this and it sounds fluffy, but we have the data to back it up. And mm. I think we know in our hearts as humans, we are social creatures. And all we want to do is feel that we matter and feel that we belong. And you get that from your people, from your community. That doesn't change as we get older. Those needs don't change just because we're in later life. And I, I think in terms of regret, I just just a brief sort of comment on that. I think firstly, I want to say it is so human to have regrets. So please don't feel that you're the only one that would want to have a do-over or you are not. We all have regrets. But it's also never, ever too late. And I remember Maury Schwartz, um, in one of his sort of sessions with um, Mitch Albom, this is from the book Tuesdays with Mari. Essentially, his message to Mitch was forgive everyone everything. Not for them. You're not doing it for them. You are doing it for yourself. Because, because it, just your eats you, it just eats you up, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and it doesn't matter in the end. It feels like it matters. And I know it feels like it matters. You know, we all get those moments. But Truly, when someone is genuinely facing the end of their life, all of a sudden it doesn't matter. So if there's someone in your life that you've lost contact with or maybe you want to be closer to someone, honestly, just today, take a micro step towards that. Pick up the telephone or arrange to go for a coffee. Or, and if you know of someone who maybe is a bit lonely and, and you think, oh, gosh, you know, it's going to be so awkward, I haven't contacted them, Please put that aside. I promise the 30 seconds of awkwardness at the start of the phone call will pale in comparison to the fulfillment and connection that you feel um, by reaching out to that person. Melissa, I can think of two people who I should do that with and uh, I'm, I'm going to take your advice and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that for sure. Oh, John, that's great. Melissa, thank you so much for giving up your time today. Please let's stay in touch. I'd like very much to flesh out more of your book when it does appear. And um, we thank you so much for, uh, for a, a stimulating interview. I really do appreciate your time. Oh, no, John, it's such a pleasure. And again, thank you for having these conversations. I think it's so important that we start talking about later life because I think the conversations are the seeds from which a better journey can blossom. Oh, I love this woman. Melissa Levi, clinical psychologist specialising in older people's mental health and dementia, and she's going to be coming back on our program, if she is happy to do that, uh, later on when her book does appear. I hope that you found, like me, uh, quite, uh, quite some stimulation from this discussion. Uh, for over 22 years, Your Life Choices has been providing Australians with essential news, articles and retirement resources. And with over 270,000 members and growing, Your Life Choices is Australia's longest established and most trusted digital destination for the over 50s. I'm your host, John Deeks, and on behalf of the Your Life Choices team, be well, be happy, and we'll see you next time.